From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. A breast cancer diagnosis isn't easy. It's difficult for the person diagnosed and for the loved ones of that person. Often, significant support is needed, but difficult to accept. My guest on the show today is Kelly Wright. Kelly has had cancer twice, but through the support of her family and broader community is still here with an upbeat personality and a spirit that just won't quit. Kelly was willing to say yes to support and community and continues to bring that spirit of support to others. Kelly, welcome to the show. And to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself and share your story. Sure. Okay. My name is Kelly Wright. Um, I currently live in Kennesaw, Georgia. I grew up in North Carolina. Um, my spouse and I have been married for over 35 years. We have, well, I used to say two boys, but now we've added a girl and now we have a grandbaby. Um, I manage a flower shop here in Marietta and my husband um, is the operations director at the Marietta Housing Authority here in, you know, here local. Yeah, we just got a grandbaby who's eight months old. So that's kind of the joy of our life right now. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's fantastic. That's that I love that. Yep. I love that. So uh so let's let's talk about your your cancer journey. Uh can you just kind of walk us through kind of the, sure. the the whole spectrum there? You know, I'm one of these women and there are there are others of me that have put off for many years having um mammograms. And my husband is of the age where he needed to have his first um, checkup. And so the joke was, okay, if you go get the colonoscopy, I'll go get the mammogram. And we both agreed. And sure enough, I, um, it came back that I had cancer. And all of us could not have been more floored, shocked, because that really doesn't run in my family. Um, it was kind of shocking, actually, because uh, yeah. we were joking about it and turned out, hmm, I did. So wow. I was diagnosed at 51 in 2017. Uh, and then almost to the date a year later, it came back. Uh, it actually came back as a different cancer than the previous cancer, which is extremely rare. So I'm a rarity. Uh, it came back as... Um, one was the ductal carcinoma, and the second one was a uh, the second cancer was an invasive ductal carcinoma. So very unusual to have two different types of cancer. Not unusual to have cancer come back within the two years, but unusual to have two different kinds. So wow. I'm kind of special. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed, yeah. Well, well, that's that's. I mean, really, really, uh, really interesting. So. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about that. So you were, you were diagnosed in 2017, you went through like, what kind of treatment did you go through? And I assume that treatment was over and then you got diagnosed again a year later. Yes. So what happens when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer? Um, obviously the, there's, you know, different stages. Mine was, um, caught very early, which made the whole joke about, you know, colonoscopy and the mammogram even better because it was caught very early and it was totally caught by a mammogram. Any other way, I never would have known I had cancer. Hmm. Uh, so m the first cancer um, was treated with a you know, lumpectomy to remove the cancer. Mm -hmm. And then I chose the option, which is called brachytherapy. And brachytherapy is a form of radiation where they implant a device 
in your tissue that allows a seed of radiation to go right to where the cancer is. Instead of an overall radiation beam, it, it takes the, it, it literally is like a seed and it goes right to where the cancer is. Um, women that choose that treatment, you have a shorter amount of time of treatment. It's basically 10, it was either seven days or 10 days and it's to the hospital twice a day to go get the treatment, but you're done in seven to 10 days okay. versus the other option, which is like, you know, four weeks or something like that. So I chose um, to do the BRCA therapy that, that go around. Um, I actually named the device Ethel uh, for, you know, Lucy's friend Ethel. We yeah. call her Ethel. I love uh, that. The doctor is Ethel. Everybody knew her as Ethel because she was a piece of work. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Wow. It was not a delight. Experience, but that's how I chose to do the first time. And then, um, uh, you know, when you're diagnosed, every you're required, you're required. You're supposed to every six months to have a follow-up mammogram within the first year. It's the right. first year, two years. And when I came back for my six-month one, it was still okay. But when I came back for the next the the year, that's when it came back on the um, the second cancer came back on the other side. And like I said, that's pretty uncommon hmm. um, because I had already been through that whole thing. Now I had a better picture of what was coming. And I opted the second go around to not do the BRCA therapy because it was evil. That's the only way I can describe it, it was evil. Hmm. I chose to do the three weeks instead of um, the two times a day for 10 days. That it, There was so many unknowns about that. And then, then I was to the place where I knew what that thing was. And I was not doing that again. Right. No. Right. Uh, wow. It's if, if people look at it's an evil, it's it's just it's quite a treatment. Mm. And it, it was difficult mentally, physically. It was hard. And I just I just didn't want to go through that again. So I chose to do the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. That's um, I, I can I can attempt to empathize, but, but I can only imagine how difficult that, that must have been. So uh, I'm curious about your support systems. You mentioned your husband. Did you say you were married 30 years? Is that right? Yes. Over 30. Yep. Okay. So married over 30 years, which is amazing. You've got, you you got two, two children, two, two boys or two, I guess, grown boys. Uh, talk about yep. your support system and, and how, how your family went through this together. Sure. When that, uh, it's, some of this is kind of foggy because thankfully, um, God gave women a gift to not remember things. <laughs> Because <laughs> if we did, we'd never have children again. I'm just saying. But uh, some of this is foggy. But uh, when I, when the, when I had that mammogram and they said, you know, they tell you right there, they call you in and they tell you there's something here that needs to be looked at. Then you know you got to schedule all what's coming next. My spouse did go with me uh, to that appointment, so he was there with me when they said this really looks like cancer. We need to do a biopsy. And then he was there when, um, you know, we went back to get the results. My children at the time were college age, so they weren't, they weren't in town. But when I was diagnosed the first time, our family um, had been hosting um, international students. And we actually had a Chinese student, young man living with us at the time. So he was here when all that was going on. Mm. Um, poor kid. Uh, 
the and and I'll say, I, I I've always wondered if other women have gone to that appointment themselves or if they had someone there when that news is announced to you, because it's yeah. pretty pretty shocking. Yeah, uh, and also having the second set of ears, like, wait, did I hear them say what I think I just heard them say? But my husband was there, and then our two boys, of course, weren't here. But and when I look back on that, the the greatest support system we had was our church family. Hmm. There's no way we could have done all that was happening. I mean, like I said, we had a kid living here that wasn't our child. Um, they fed us. I mean, car rides, anything they could do. We had we had women offering to come clean our house. People did our grocery shopping. It was amazing. Wow. Uh, say that for both times. I mean, we really, there wasn't, there really was very little need in this home when that was going on because those women and men, some, I mean, men dropped off meals and stuff. They really stepped up and we were super thankful that we had um, those folks in our life at that time mm. to get yeah. that because so encouraging people would just come here and drop off a meal and then stay and pray it, it really was it, it was a sweet time it really was i hate it, it was for that reason but it was a super sweet time hmm. you know yeah Looking i mean back. It, it seems it strikes me that that a support community really makes all the difference uh, when you're going through something like that would you would you agree I would agree. And when you're, when you go for these treatments, you're sitting in these waiting rooms, you're sitting with all these cancer patients mm. and you're hearing from the story. And, you know, I, I, I sat beside one who didn't have that and it was heartbreaking. Mm. Uh, you know, fortunately where I am, there's this really sweet group, um, out of our hospital that's a care group and they, I put her in touch with somebody like that, but to not have, you know, people that are loving on you, caring for you, I can't imagine doing that all alone. I, I, that, that would have to be rough. So let's, let's talk a little more about that. So, because it, it strikes me that allowing for yourself to be cared for is not easy for everyone. And, and being vulnerable in that way is not something that, that comes naturally to a lot of people. So could you talk a little bit about your experience with that, and, and what was that like, sort of a lean, being willing to lean on other people? You know, that, I have thought about that a lot because um, we are all created different. Everybody has their own way, their own things. It is hard to let people help. I don't know why that is for some people. Really, are there people that really will let anybody help? I don't know, but <laughs> it does seem like it is hard to say yes. And mm. so you just have to learn that you really, if, if you say no to people offering to help you, then you took away their gift. You took mm. away their blessing, took away their opportunity. Um, so saying no doesn't, it's not just you, you're saying no to someone that wants to be useful or whatever. So I do find interesting that we do are quick to say no. In this house, we did not say no. <laughs> <laughs> we we left the keys out you know people just came and went and it, it was just the sweetest but um I, I do realize that it is super easy to say no very quickly yeah. but I, I just i encourage people you know to be yet be a yes person don't say no let those people that want to help 
get the opportunity to, you know, give their gift and it blesses them to be able to do it. So, you know, it's a win-win kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That, and also when my personality is very much, um, you know, pull up your bootstraps, let's get done. We got to get done. And, you know, I also love to love on people. So in that, through that whole thing, we had one day we took, uh, cookies for everybody in the radiation department. One day, um, we filled the whole place up with flowers. We had flowers in the waiting room for people to take home with them. We had flowers at the nurse's station. We had flowers everywhere in that place. Uh, one day we sent a meal up there. I mean, that's just who I am. Uh, it just was fun to, I don't know, cheer the place up because let Mm. me tell you a radiation department, it is super, super depressing and oppressive. There is no mm. joy and happiness in there. It's just not. Um, mm. It's a it's a very hard place, and we just chose not. We chose to cheer it up a little bit. <laughs> I love that. So I, I love that. I, I had problems saying no to people helping, and then in turn, we were you know over there trying to cheer people up. And um, to this day, I still send flowers down there to that radiation department because it is such a depressing, oppressive place, and you know. What better yeah. place to cheer me up? <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm curious, like, what kind of response did you get? I mean, that's such a sort of unusual approach in that space. I mean, how was it received? You know, I before um, this phone call earlier today, I actually talked to the radiation department because uh, I wanted to see the doctor's notes from that. Because, like I said, it gets foggy. You forget stuff. And so my sweet um, radiation oncologist doctor, she sent over her notes for those two um when those two cancers came up and the way that they set up the treatment. And one of them, she says at the very bottom of it, we've had the best time taking care of this pleasant patient. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, the people loved it. Like mm. we had, they, they loved it. Uh, it was, it was really fun to sit there in that waiting room and watch people come off that. Cause you're in the basement of a hospital. That's where all most radiation departments are. And they would come off that elevator and they just would light up when they would see those flowers the nurses were the same way and the same way about the can the cookies you know or the food whatever you know it just it created just a fun you know kelly's here let's all smile or whatever i, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I love that that's great i mean it sounds like it was infectious and still is in a lot of ways and that's that's really important well uh so so it 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 sounds like you made the best of a difficult situation. Sounds like, you know, you and your family were were willing to sort of step out of your comfort zones and accept help and support from your community, which which is which is fantastic. Um so I guess really my my last question to you is, you know, for for those listening that are either going through breast cancer or supporting someone that's going through breast cancer, what advice would you give to them? Mm-hmm. If you're going through it, I think the thing I would probably say is just one day at a time. You just got to get done what you got to get done, and there will be an end in sight. Uh, I think just looking at it that way, because it can be very overwhelming. Um, One day at a time, and, you know, you just got to find your way to have peace about it, whatever that is. Maybe that's, you know, counseling. Maybe that's, you know... You love for your family maybe that's exercise something that gives you that church faith whatever it is 
but just one day at a time. And then I think the caregiver part, I think, is also kind of relates to people accepting help. Like, it's easier, you know, to treat your family in a different way than you treat, you know, the neighbor that's dropping off the meal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we speak to each other differently when it's your family versus we speak to the neighbor or somebody else. So I think you just have to be willing the caregiver and the patient just there has to be a lot of grace extended because mm. you know it's not going to be pretty and some days are going to be great and some days aren't mm. um and i think you know just reminding that person you're caring for that you know whatever it is that they need that you're here for them i think that's what you got to do um mm. I, I think that's why just a lot of grace <laughs> yeah a lot of grace yeah a lot of grace Wow. Well, that's really, really good advice um, from someone that's really, you know, like, like, like you said, been through it twice now. So uh, Kelly, this was really fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You're so welcome. I appreciate you asking. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.coman.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit coman.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.